Hey, Rock Talk fans. Do you like the show? Are you a big fan of Dwayne Johnson? Then support us in BuzzFeed's 2018 Most Underrated Podcast of the Year. All you have to do is go online to our Facebook page, facebook.com slash rocktalkpod. Follow the link in our pinned post and go to BuzzFeed's Top 2018 Most Underrated Podcast of the Year. Nominate us with a one-sentence endorsement in the comment section, and you'll automatically be entered to win a free Rock Talk tank top. It's pink, it's dope, it'll show off your guns, and don't forget, it is the best way to support the show is leaving us an endorsement, not only on BuzzFeed, but on iTunes. Thanks again, and enjoy the show. Can you smell what they're cooking? Welcome to Rock Talk, the podcast where a couple of jabronis get to know the movie roles of Dwayne The Rock Johnson. I'm Jordan Rummel, joined as always by my good friend and co-host Charlie Gallo. Charlie, how you doing? I'm doing really well, and I'm doing much better after I just read this news. Kim Kardashian West just had her surrogate baby, so more of Kanye West's crazy DNA is out in the world, and that is a thing to celebrate, and that is a good reason to be happy. I can't wait to chronicle that child's life in the White House and Kanye <laughs> becomes president. Today, another reason to be excited, we are taking a look at the only movie Dwayne Johnson has ever publicly deemed a failure, 2005's video game adaptation of Doom. But before that, of course, it's time for our Rock News of the Week. Mazel! That's fantastic news! We have three pieces of Rock News this week. First and foremost... It's been a pretty amazing week for you and I, Jordan, because right after we released our Golden Globes episode, The Rock retweeted our cookie that we put on Instagram and Facebook, (laughs) decorated by none other than two-time Rock Talk co-host, Grace Osella. It was amazing. We were talking to each other on the phone when we found out. Yeah, we were were mid-conversation, and I can tell you it derailed. I don't even remember what else we were saying. Because this took over not only that day, I feel like I'm still riding on a high. I know. Uh, it was almost a week ago now. But you're right. I mean, I think like the next hour and a half, I was just buzzing, just trying to like tell as many people as I know. With mixed results, some of them were impressed. Some of them were less impressed. But honestly, it was a pretty big deal. We've now been doing this for, for what, nearly a year? This is the closest we've, we've gotten to, to, to Dwayne Johnson contact which is nuts. We are we are like on the cusp. We just, what we need is a shout out. That's what I'm I'm angling for next. We need a Dwayne Johnson Rock Talk shout out. I would love that. Honestly, he would be the perfect co-host. Talking yeah. about one of his movies, he could give us the behind the scenes stuff and you know what? I guarantee you after he saw all the work that we've been doing here, he would invite us to work for 7 Bucks Productions. And, uh, you know, obviously we keep doing this podcast, but on the side, then we would just be best friends slash associates of uh, (laughs) Dwayne Johnson. Oh, living the dream. Anyway, if you haven't seen it, go check out on Twitter and our Instagram at Rock Talk Pod. The tweet is there. I believe I've had it pinned for like the last week and a half. It's not going anywhere. I've had it Uh, pinned on my actual face for the past week (laughs) just because I want to tell like pretty much everyone that I interact with on a daily basis like have told twice because I kind of forgot that I told them the first time so like yeah I heard about the cookie like (laughs) sorry but you don't understand something in the rock talk world or universe has been seen by Dwayne Johnson so it was a pretty big deal for us our second piece of news this week is a reddit post that Jordan you actually came across 
It was on the subreddit called Who Would Win? And I uh, assume this is a subreddit where people pit imaginary matchups between imaginary characters. And this one says, The Rock versus Dwayne Johnson. Who is the most powerful character played by Dwayne Johnson that The Rock could defeat in a wrestling match by pinning? Honestly, there is so much meat on this bone. We could talk about this for a really long time. Uh, in fact, I think maybe we should do a mini episode dedicated to just this question. But who are a few, you know, players that would stand out? Well, immediately, you know, I think that the the easy way to, to to think about this question is to go to some of those like elite soldier spy athlete kind of people that Dwayne Johnson's played. So some of those names that come to mind are Roadblock from GI Joe, Mitch Buchanan from Baywatch to an extent, Christopher Dance from the other guys to an effect. You think of like. You know, he's played a lot of military people, but it's 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 really interesting because you can break down the different types of characters Dwayne Johnson has played into a lot of different subsections. And when you try and think of somebody that the wrestler, the rock could defeat, you really have to analyze. I think that you're right. I think we do need to kind of break this down in a mini app because there is a ton to analyze here. I think you're right. I think a Mitch Buchanan would definitely be a player. But, you know, you think of some of his superhero type characters like Hercules or Dr. Smolder Bravestone. The, obviously, those those are out. Those would obviously beat The Rock. And then you have sort of your just everyday guys like Jack Bruno. And, and right. I, I think that they would be dispatched with almost immediately. So it's an interesting question. And you're right. I think we should look at this. And our third piece of news is Jumanji continues to steamroll its competitors at the box office nearly a month after it came out. It is now the highest grossing Christmas release of all time in North America and worldwide. Did you expect this at all? Uh, God, no. I mean, I mean, look, look, we have we have well documented uh, the roller coaster of our emotions concerning this movie in the past months. You know, after watching it, I didn't have any doubts that it would succeed because it's fun and it's definitely a word of mouth kind of movie. But the kind of money that this movie is bringing in week after week is it's completely absurd. It really is. And I thought it was a gutsy call to release this movie right after Star Wars. But you look at what's come out since then, there's really no big. Uh, movies to to go up against it you know you had the commuter come out this week you have uh, other movies like the post uh, that came out but not sort of blockbuster movies that would knock jumanji off its perch so i really think that they absolutely nailed it with the release date this is it's such it's just we i know we've we've talked about it but it's just such a huge success for seven bucks uh and i hope that it spells even brighter futures for the the company because they really needed a win, and they got one in absolute spades. It's really exciting. It's really exciting. And of course, it's time for Daddy to go to work. Daddy's got to go to work. Today, we're taking a look at Doom, the 2005 rated R action adventure horror sci fi film. It was directed by Andre Bartkowiak a director who did such films as Romeo Must Die and Street Fighter, The Legend of Chun-Li. Writers include Dave Callahan, who went on to write for such films as The Expendables, uh, the Godzilla remake, and he's actually attached to both a Wonder Woman sequel and a Zombieland sequel. And then a guy named Wesley Strick, uh, who wrote 
classic early 2000 horror movies like Arachnophobia and Cape Fear. Uh, so kind of a range of talent there. Uh, the budget for this film, $60 million, and it only grossed $28 million domestic and another $15 million international. So this movie was a huge box office failure. You want to talk about catastrophic failure? This movie underwhelmed in nearly every way possible. Oh, yeah, certainly. I mean, you only make, what's that, $42 million off of a $60 million budget. And honestly, I'm kind of surprised they made that much money. Not only because they failed in a lot of aspects of like making it interesting or, or fun or scary. Just this is such a strange movie. I'm not really sure who it was for. In a lot of ways, they were actually almost, I think, too true to the video game Doom to make it an interesting two out, nearly two-hour-long movie. Now, I accidentally rented the unrated version, which I think was a mistake, so that I think that lengthened the movie a little bit as well. But overall, my biggest problem with this movie is that it was a little boring. Yeah, for a movie that's kind of outside the realm of a typical Dwayne Johnson, this is really the closest thing to a horror movie that he's ever done. Not a lot happens. Uh, you kind of get a really repetitive plot. We're going to get into it. Uh, you're going to have to do your best to follow along with what this movie's about because it's just a lot of just tech phrases. It's all, I don't know if it's in the game or not, but this stuff, the, the, the jargon of doom is nuts. Okay, but with that, let's just get in to act one on Mars in the year 2046 in the Union Aerospace Corporation owned Old Dubai Research Facility. Scientists are attacked and pulled into the darkness by an unseen monster. Dr. Carmack transmits a warning about a level five security breach before the door behind him is torn open. He turns around and sees something through the gap. Meanwhile, on Earth, a team of eight Marines known as the RRTS, the Rapid Response Tactical Squad, are preparing to go on leave. Their leave is canceled, however, when squad leader Sarge, played by Dwayne Johnson, receives new orders. Contact with Olduvai has been lost and the RRTS is being sent to investigate. The Mars station is quarantined and the 85 UAC employees on Mars are not allowed to return to Earth. As the men suit up, Sarge pulls aside John, codename Reaper Grimm, played by Carl Urban, asks him not to go on the mission because his sister is stationed on the Mars base. Reaper suits up anyway when their team is deployed to Mars via a teleportation device called the Ark. Once they make it to Mars, they meet up with Dr. Samantha Grimm, played by Rosamund Pike, Reaper's sister, who gives them their mission, eliminate the threat, secure the facility, and retrieve the UAC property. Charlie, uh, there's there's so many different things I could ask you here. Um, <laughs> what did this cold open, what, did, what was your cold open thoughts in this movie? We get, like, it's hard, it's very hard to figure out what's yeah. going on, but there's like an unseen, like, zombie-esque threat happening in the first seconds of this film. Yeah, they, they put a lot out there for you. They have an opening VO that kind of explains a little bit about where we are, what year is it, and sets it up. Honestly, I thought the cold open is one of the better parts of the movie, only because it was like a mini horror film. One of the things I had a little bit of a question with is when the female scientist is running towards like the safe room door as it's closing, the guy that's inside the, the safe room won't let her in, and she, they have plenty of time. To let her in. And so, then we get an immediate severed arm. The mo This movie does not shy away from like blood or gore of any kind. It, there was no plot, uh, but there was extreme 
violence at every turn. I actually do have a theory, though, about why the doctor didn't let that woman scientist in. Okay. And I think this is kind of getting ahead of ourselves, but I believe that that was the movie indicating that Dr. Carmack has like sociopathic tendencies. Oh, maybe. Well, or, or you might be giving this movie a little bit too much credit. <laughs> yeah. It's, I don't know how much thought went into many of the decisions in this film. Um, yeah. I don't know. I thought the cold open was really fun. I, I love this kind of like sci-fi garbage. To me, it looked like the resident evil movies with Mila is it Jovovich or Joja Jovovich. Um, yes, you're you're exactly right. Like that's what I got out of this, and I was all in. Like I was, I couldn't be more excited for that kind of a movie. I've watched like all seven of them; they all kind of suck, but you know what you're getting into. Yeah, honestly, you know, as much as The Rock has sort of said that he regrets doing this movie or that this movie was a failure, I was expecting something so so bad that I went in with the lowest of low expectations, and I gotta say. This movie isn't the worst rock movie that I've watched. I did a quick Twitter search of all the times that Dwayne Johnson has mentioned this movie. And all but like two times, he's like kind of talking trash about it. In one conversation, he just like jumps in between two people that were arguing about this movie. It starts off a guy with the handle at Bagel Tiger. (laughs) Excellent. Excellent. Why do video game movies routinely suck skunk taint? Like, why was The Rock in Doom? And then another person. Uh, Skunk Taint. Oh, my God. <laughs> with the handle at Stripey Butt comes in and says, hey, <laughs> hey, you watch your mouth. Every movie is better with The Rock. Yeah, was that you? Okay, I'm looking handle? at this person's uh, like Twitter avatar. I'm pretty sure they're a furry. <laughs> oh, well. Stripey butt, man. (laughs) Anyway, and then Bagel Tiger comes right back saying, I'm not refuting or disputing that. What I'm saying is the movie was garbage and I'm sorry he was subjected to being in it. And then here comes The Rock just hopping in this conversation and says, I agree with you, man. We didn't deliver on Doom and I'll take the hit for that. Suck skunk taint is my new favorite phrase. Thank you, sir. (laughs) I just love how he like monitors people's arguments on Twitter and then like hops in when he feels the need. By the way, that's definitely a conversation between two furries. Those names are yeah, both <laughs> furry-related names. Um, but it's oh you know it's gosh. it's good that Dwayne Johnson can poke fun at it because this is the only movie we mentioned this last week. But he was nominated for a Razzie for worst actor, so this is kind of a stain on the Dwayne Johnson pedigree. But he seems to be fairly self-aware about its place uh, in his pantheon, which is nice. And on that note, Charlie, I want to get your thought. What what are your feelings on Sarge, uh, Dwayne Johnson's character here? He's like the squad leader of this Space Marine tactical squad group. Well, let me just read you the logline from IMDb about this movie, and it'll give you a pretty good glimpse into Sarge's character. Uh, the logline is, Space Marines are sent to investigate strange events at a research facility on Mars, but find themselves at the mercy of genetically enhanced killing machines. And Space Marines is exactly what Dwayne Johnson is in this movie. He has really, as far as I can tell, no defining personality. It's just he's got Semper Fi tattooed on his back, and he's ripped, and he has a gun. Yeah, there's not much there. They don't give us a lot to work with. Like I, He has a few, a few fun lines, but like 
He's not ch- charming. He's not inspiring. He's not particularly psychotic, even when he is supposed to be psychotic. I don't know. I, I don't know if it's not that they gave him a lot to work with. I don't know well, if it's that he didn't have people to play off of. Like, I don't know what was going on here. I, I don't know. It's interesting because, like, he was originally offered the role of Reaper, and he turned that down saying that he thought that the role of Sarge was more suited to him. And my theory is that they sort of pivoted this movie to focus more on Sarge because in some ways, the the real heart of the story really is about this brother-sister relationship between Reaper and Rosamund Pike's character, um, Dr. Grimm. But, at this, but like most of the screen time is devoted to Sarge. So it's really interesting that you know, the story focuses on two, you know, main characters while the camera focuses on another one. All in all, though, I, you know, he's played this character plenty of times. and I think there are better examples of it out there in his filmography. Can I just say the amount of like metal rock in this movie, like, <laughs> s- like scoring this movie? Oh, my gosh. I'm shocked that this movie didn't have let the bodies hit the floor. Let the bodies <laughs> You know, exactly. it, it belonged it was, in this movie. Every scene, like, I'm sorry, like this movie, this movie was an assault on my senses. Like, it was just full on the amount of like dissection scenes that took place in this movie. Yeah, probably, pretty probably gross. like 15. And then every single scene, you're getting this like weird generic like metal music. Just like, the every single thing. There's no time to have an emotional journey in this movie because every single scene is the same like gory music video. When they weren't trying to gross you out, they were trying to scare you. That's pretty much, I think, this movie in a nutshell. But you're right. The uh, generic metal was throughout this entire movie, including the end credits song, uh, which is done by Nine Inch Nails. I really honestly thought that Rosamund Pike comes out of this movie relatively unscathed, except for the fact that she is doing the worst American accent I've ever heard. Oh, it's brutal. It's brutal. The Well, that's well, that's the problem, right? Is that no one in this movie is believable. Like, I don't believe any of these characters. I hate the choice to make Carl Urban the emotional lead uh, when he's pretty much known for like, like being stoic. Yeah. Well, they like, got like his stoic actor bit. playing off of another stoic actor. And she, you're right. I think that she did do fine. I think we were talking about this before we started recording. Did, didn't she like, It's. it seems like this was a pretty bad career move. Uh, oh, at for the sure. At time, at least. Rosamund Pike turned down being in Harry Potter and the Goblet of Fire to do this movie. Oh, that's so, so bad. That's just so and bad. I, you know, I, <laughs> I'm not a Harry Potter fan. I haven't read or seen really any of the movies, so I don't know how. But I'm sure that that movie, you know, made a lot of money. Oh, oh, I guarantee it made more than like the 40 million that this did. Yeah, <laughs> sure. I mean, most movies make more money than this one. Okay, we also in this film, I got to talk about these, these like phrases and technologies. I am con- so they do this thing. They teleport multiple times in this movie, like three different times. They teleport, and it's via some sort of jelly substance. It's crazy uh, that every time they go through it, they barf. Like what <laughs> is like going I said, where they're not on. trying to scare you, they're trying to gross you out. So basically, the way that they get from Earth to Mars is they get turned into a metal jelly and then shot into space. And I hope they hit Mars. And but it was so weird, like it was like watching a scene from Flubber, 
on yeah. repeat. That's exactly over the way and it over. And then they also had technology in this movie where I, I again I don't know what where this went to, but there was like a door that they could walk through this like screen on a door, and it would teleport them to somewhere else in the ship. I Is think. that what happened? Because they kept saying, "Oh, I hate the nano wall," or like, "Yes, go the through nano the nano wall. wall," but I didn't know what it meant. They never they, explained it. They just kept. St- they just kept stepping through it and they kept just like announcing every 15 minutes. It was like a new gun was announced or a new nano wall. Like the, the this movie asks you to keep up with such an insane amount of technological gibberish. Um, and it's all gross. It all results in like barfing or like severed limbs. Yeah. There's one character in this movie who I think his whole deal is that like half of his body didn't make it through the jelly transportation. Yeah. That's like the classic action movie trope of like the person in the wheelchair can still contribute but he, they have to be like the computer person right he's a nerd now they, like, they've guy, done that in a lot what else did they they did that in the movie steel with shaquille o'neal wait what yeah <laughs> i'm pretty sure didn't we watch that together his love interest well fake love interest because they don't kiss at the end of the movie uh, oh oh my god i forgot you mean the movie where shaquille o'neal is a superhero yes steel <laughs> 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 that, <laughs> that's my go-to wheelchair nerd and then wow. i guess in like the batman canon gordon's daughter gets paralyzed but then she helps batman out because she's a nerd too like a science computer nerd so this is a pretty tried and true trope and uh well they weren't gonna avoid it here there's the rest of this mar- this space marine squad though we've got these guys like duke goat reaper the kid uh, they all kind of look like like budget versions of big time movie stars, but there is one character in this mess of of a squad named Portman. That is, I like how everyone else gets these like crazy names, and then Portman is just Portman. Yeah, well, for, uh, first of all, I didn't know what his name was for eighty. Per- I thought they kept saying Portnoy. I was hearing <laughs> like I couldn't tell what was going on there, but Portman, who looks like. The 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 Mr. Pink guy from Wes- Reservoir Dogs is yeah, basically Michael Madsen. he's probably the most entertaining part of this movie. Yeah, honestly, hands down, my favorite part of this movie is just hearing this guy do his line readings. Like the first thing he says is because they're about to like go on leave and they're all talking about what their plans are on leave. He's like, "Well, I'm just gonna shack up with three he she's." Where you going, Portman? I'm going down to El Hanta. I'm gonna lock myself in a motel room. With a bottle of tequila and three she-boys. <laughs> you sick, man. <laughs> right. He was such a freak. This guy was like, all he did was just say uncomfortable things. And like, I think he was doing drugs halfway. Like he was like. Yeah, he was like weird... <laughs> handing out drugs. So this guy's call sign is the kid. Another one of these characters. And they're not joking. This kid is like. A high school sophomore? Oh, he's That's a what child. He looks like. A legitimate child. And he's like asking thing. Portman for drugs. They don't really <laughs> talk about what the drugs are. It doesn't really even play into the movie at all. It's just no, it baffling. looks like it looks like a like a tablet of Tums. Yeah, basically. It... Maybe that's what it was. He just had a little bit of indigestion. Uh but another amazing thing about Portman is another action or horror movie trope is that like if you go to the bathroom, you're dead. Because that's yeah. where Portman meets his fate. 
I wish that Portman was one of the survivors. Spoiler, not many people make it through this movie. <laughs> no. But Portman is just such a freakazoid. Like, God, every the line delivery he gives, it's like it's like they told him to just make choices, make make line reading choices yeah. that are really out there. It's like He's read like the, every line like you're Steve Bannon. <laughs> it's so true. He felt to me like it was watching an adult version of Richie from Teen Witch. Oh, almost. Yeah, that's what Richie grew. Oh, wait a second. It's 2040. What year is it? 2046. <laughs> Would that work as a timeline? This is just future Richie. This is old Richie becomes a space marine, an insane space marine. All right. But another thing we have to talk about is like, is this really the best that planet Earth has to offer? See, like this why, group of oh, people? Honestly, none of them display any kind of military prowess. There's at least five of them, as we, we pretty much learn, are like sociopaths. All right. Getting into act two. The team locates Carmack, who is deranged to the point of tearing off his own ear. They return him to the lab and Grimm tries sedating him. There, Reaper learns from his sister that the scientists discovered humanoid remains on Mars that contain a 24th chromosome, making the creature superhuman, invulnerable to disease, and with the ability to rapidly heal from injury. The Marines explore the facility, encountering creatures intent on killing them. Blood samples taken from two of the hostile creatures reveal that they were in fact once human. Grimm determines that their genetics have been altered by the addition of the Martian chromosome. However, the chromosome appears to choose whether it causes the person to be superhuman or a monster, apparently able to determine on a genetic level whether a person has the capacity to be evil. The chromosome is spread by the projectile tongues of those infected. The Marines discovered that Dr. Carmack deliberately injected the chromosome into an evil subject uh, who later transformed and broke loose in the facility. Multiple attacks by these creatures kill Goat, Mac, Destroyer, and Portman, reducing the squad to just Sarge, Reaper, the Kid, Duke, and Grimm. They soon realize that a Hell Knight has escaped through the Ark to Earth. Sarge then takes the Bioforce gun, dubbing it a big effing gun, and they set off to Earth in pursuit of the Hell Knight. Okay, there's so much to break down here, but maybe the first thing to discuss is this plot concept that it's a 24th chromosome that can determine whether or not people are evil. Yeah, this is about where my brain exploded. This movie asks us to believe a lot. It asks us to believe that people can be turned into metallic jelly and then thrown into space and hit Mars. But this is really one step too far for me. Like, what were they doing? Was the idea they were trying to create superhumans? Like, like why? Yeah. That... I'm so confused why this even happened. So, yeah, they discuss in this movie that... They found humanoid remains and that these creatures that used to live on Mars were superhuman because they had this 24th chromosome, but not by birth, but by genetic mutation. So they tried to replicate that and they were doing human tests and that's how this whole thing began. Granted, it only goes wrong. You only turn into a zombie if genetically you are you know, susceptible to to being a, a bad person or you have the capacity for evil that seems like, right, like not decided on a genetic level that's such a that's such a vague gray area well like the, basically this movie is saying don't even try to be a good person because it doesn't matter because you can only be good if your genetics say so right it's a predetermined capacity within you 
to be good or evil. Also, you mentioned that, oh, yeah, they do have that, like, they this humanoid that they discover. They have its bones in the facility. They've named it Lucy, which I didn't enjoy. And also, it's holding its baby, which also, <laughs> I didn't, in, I don't need to see a baby skeleton. Uh, and by the way, it pretty much, look, I don't know much about skeletons. Okay, just going to put that out there. I felt like it can, it had like a face. Like it was like a very like personified like skeleton. Yeah, it looked like it was screaming, but there was no muscles on it. So <laughs> I don't know. Like I'm pretty sure skulls like you can't convey skulls cannot convey emotion. No, why was that baby? Why did that baby skeleton have a mouth? <laughs> I have no idea. It was really creepy, but that's kind of where we learned uh, about these humanoid creatures. And that's another big problem I have with this movie. Like, I want to see that. Like, I want to see finding humanoid remains for the first time on Mars. That should be the focus of this movie. Instead, they just glance over it. Right. Why? There are there are a race of superhuman aliens that once lived on Mars. <laughs> right. That is the bigger story here. Like, and instead, they're just <laughs> in this facility injecting it into people trying like what like why they totally missed the point also i guess my question is if they were dealing with humans if the whole thing was to create superhumans why were there so many monkeys on this ship there was multiple monkeys there's a jump scare involving a monkey there are like 10 jump scares in this movie like what is going on why there's a room full of dogs and monkeys that i believe we re-enter later and they've all been destroyed like, yeah. one of the creatures has killed all these monkeys. Meanwhile, and something that I didn't realize until about halfway through this, keep in mind, almost two-hour-long movie, is that there are a ton of people still on Mars. Why haven't they evacuated? Well, that's... I'm so confused, because we start seeing non-infected people everywhere. Yeah. there. I mean, the first 45 minutes of this movie is people, like, stalking the halls all alone, like these space marines, looking for these uh zombie alien things so when all of a sudden they cut to 300 people waiting it out in like this big lobby i'm like wait did we go back to earth no you're still on mars they just never talked about 300 lives at stake well that's right i'm gonna be totally honest had very little idea where any of the locations were at any given point oh i totally because it all looks the same yeah (laughs) Unless they were in the the dark sewer, which is the only time I like knew I was like, okay, we're in the dark sewer. But like they would do shots between, I guess, people that were on like the Earth base at the Ark. But it all seemed very ambiguous. And it's at a certain point at the end here, we, we'd say this Hell Knight goes through the Ark. First of all, don't know what that is. <laughs> don't know what a Hell Knight is. <laughs> I don't even know what they're talking about. I don't yeah. know what I don't know what that creature that's is yeah that's something from the video game i'm pretty sure and keep in mind that like this movie kept the video game you know pretty close at hand like the whole point of video game is you have to destroy these aliens otherwise they're going to take a portal back to earth and effectively that's what this movie is uh granted they did such a terrible job at explaining it i didn't know what was going on for most of this movie uh but i will say one of my favorite scenes in the entire movie and this is unintentional humor is when um, one of the space marines who's like this crazy um, religious zealot gets 
infected with the 24th chromosome and he starts to become a zombie. He is sort of trapped in a cell with bulletproof glass and Rosamund Pike is <laughs> is sort of watching him start to freak out. <laughs> what happens is he ends up like killing himself by banging his head against the glass like 10 times. And this scene takes like probably five minutes, but it's like, but Rosamund Pike screams after every single time he bangs his head on the wall. So it goes, bam, ah! bam, ah! bam, ah! until he dies. It's like, I'm blanking on the name of that movie, uh, but with like Paul Rudd, where they keep replaying the same scene over and oh, over and over again. They came together. Is yeah, that what you're talking about? Just, yeah. Yeah. And they just like, <laughs> that's almost what this felt like because it goes on for like legitimately eight minutes yeah. of just like slamming and screaming. Wow. And- <laughs> this is the first time in human history they came together has been compared to Doom. <laughs> yeah. No, that scene where he's like, hey, thanks. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, exactly. <laughs> thanks. Yeah. That's pretty much what this was. But unintentionally. Uh, And one thing that you wrote down as a note is that there is not a single woman in this movie wearing a bra. And you are absolutely right. What was going on? Because this movie was made for like 14 year old boys. Okay, first of all, I'm telling you right now, 14 year old me would not have made it past the first hand uh, decapitation. (laughs) I certainly would not have made it past the part where the guy rips his own ear off. Um, and no amount that of- That was insane. Of, it came out- He was basically he Schmeagle <laughs> from Lord of the Rings. <laughs> Wait, okay, but because in that moment, it's Dr. Carmack has like transitioned into one of these zombies, but I guess not fully because he's like whispering things to Rosamund Pike's character. He's like, shut it down, shut it down. But he's like, <laughs> there's like, there's like yeah, a lot of Yeah, the rules are definitely sounds. not consistent across this movie. And he straight up rips off his ear and eats it out of nowhere. Oh. Like we're just like we're just looking. He's just talking, and he just <laughs> rips his freaking ear off and shoves it in his mouth. Um, right. So one of the things that this movie <laughs> posits, if you dig a little bit, is that that you know they were doing human experiments with chromosome twenty four, and there were one of two outcomes if you get injected with chromosome 24. Either you turn into a superhuman or you turn into a zombie. We didn't see a single case outside of, in the third act, one case of somebody turning into a superhuman. We only saw people turning into zombies. So that posits that every single person on this Mars base has like the capacity for evil. Yeah, they're all, all of them deserve to die. Basically, that's That's honestly... And Sarge, I mean, that's an act three thing again, but Sarge kind of has a point just when he's trying to kill everyone in this base. Yeah, I mean, we can jump to it, but like basically Dwayne Johnson's character turns evil. He turns heel if we're going to use wrestling terms here. Nice. Yeah. Oh, God. Uh, there's also we should just discuss it while we're in act two. Uh, there is a, a nude scene, um, which we've learned only features in this unrated version of the movie. Uh, which we both watched, and it's pr- the got to be the first nude scene we've seen in a Dwayne Johnson movie. Oh, for sure. On a, I don't think we have seen areolas uh, or female <laughs> areolas in a Dwayne Johnson movie other than this. And like you said, it is the only difference between the theatrical version and the unrated version that we rented. And the scene follows is like basically what I like to call zombie porkies, and that it involves two of these <laughs> space marines. You know, Portman and the kid. Yeah. Oh, that's who it was. Yeah. Portman and the kid peeping in 
on this nude woman who is clearly a zombie, even from behind. She looks right. like she's like oh. all bloody and zombie-like. And she turns around, blasts those nips, and you see that she's a zombie. <laughs> but like they act surprised. Right. They both lose their minds. Um, but she was clear she was doing like like the way that the girl from the ring moves all like herky jerky. Yeah. Like she was doing that, just facing away from them. Also, one of my favorite things, and this is something that always comes up in video games, uh, which is I maybe that's why they did it, but I'm not sure they're that self-aware. But the word suffer was written in blood in the background of that scene, which to me, like, who wrote that? <laughs> yeah. Like, why would the zombie lady do that? Like, there's, yeah, there's no zombie is going to take the time to write suffer in their own blood. <laughs> like, I, I want to see that scene. Like, okay, well, let's see here. Where are we going to write it on the wall? How big should it be? And, like, for me, every time I, like, write a banner, I run out of space. Oh, yeah, sure. So, like, I'll start out with a, you know, if I'm going to write suffer, I write, you know, big ol' S. And then by the time I get to the first F, I'm like, I realize I don't have enough room. So <laughs> this zombie had thought this out better than I ever could have. Right. The, the depth perception is incredible. Yeah. Act three. The group finds the UAC facility on Earth full of corpses. Sarge orders his men to kill anything alive in order to prevent the infection from spreading. The kid finds a group of non-infected humans and refuses to kill them but is then killed by Sarge for insubordination. Zombies attack, killing Duke and dragging Sarge through a malfunctioning bulletproof screen. Reaper is hit by a ricochet. To save his life, Grimm injects Reaper with chromosome 24. Instead of becoming a monster, however, Reaper awakens as a superhuman with enhanced strength and healing abilities. Following his transformation and the discovery that Grimm is missing, the movie takes on a first-person shooter perspective. Within a few minutes, Reaper slays an array of monsters in gruesome fashion, after which the camera switches back to the standard angle. Reaper then emerges at the facility's exit, where he encounters Sarge and an unconscious Grimm lying on the floor. Reaper asks Sarge what happened to the non-infected survivors, to which he replies that he killed them. Reaper then notices the same injury on Sarge's neck that Carmack had before he turned into a zombie. After a badly injured Grimm crawls to safety, Reaper and Sarge face off. In the middle of the fight, Sarge begins to transform into a zombie, developing a prominent skull structure, sharp teeth, and red eyes. Reaper throws Sarge into the Ark, followed by a grenade. Sarge and the Ark are then obliterated. Reaper retrieves Grimm, who is conscious but unable to walk, and holds her in his arms as he returns to the Earth's surface. Um, I just want to say, at this point in the movie, didn't know what was happening. (laughs) Me either. Dwayne Johnson's uh, heel turn was completely, like, I was not aware of when it happened. And then all of a sudden, he started turning into a zombie. And I had no idea what was going on. Yeah. Like, there is, like, we just start, they just start fighting and maybe this is the Hell Knight, but they start fighting this giant, like, horse zombie. And I don't know what was going on with that, but there's a 10-minute sequence between, I think, Duke in, like, an electricity pit. Oh, yeah, the hole. Actually, I wrote yeah. a note about that in the first act. Um, So, wait, what's this guy's name again? Duke? I think it's Duke. Yeah, Duke. Well, they're all interchangeable, kind of like in G.I. Joe. I can't keep up with the <laughs> names. But, yeah. So earlier, Duke and Portman walk by like this big pit 
And Portman goes, what's that? And Duke goes, you've never served time before. That's a holding cell. Touch that wire. Like, what kind of prison has Duke been in where the cells are just pits in the ground? <laughs> there's just there's just pits that are fully electrocuted around the edge, but but clearly not that powerfully electrocuted because people touch this thing like multiple times without really suffering. They seem like, tickled by it, like hardly bothered. <laughs> Yeah, it's like a shock collar. But yeah, we get this like 10 minute fight in there. Honestly, I didn't know what was happening. Me either, but I thought it was one of the better things. Like I thought it was one of the better fights. Yeah, no, it was entertaining. Uh, it was definitely the best use of graphics in the movie. Um, For sure. Well, other than, I don't know. We're I think we're split on this first person shooter point in this movie. I was not a big fan. I thought it was really cheesy, but it did serve the doom fans out there really well so i don't know i thought when the camera swapped i i literally i had no idea what was going on in this movie but when he looked in the mirror and suddenly the camera like like turned around and became a first person shooter like finally it was fun like the movie made sense to me it was it was like embracing what it was and i thought it was really cool um I don't know. It made me a little nauseous, not going to lie. was a little dizzy. Can't imagine seeing it in a movie theater. But I thought it was cool. It was at least something creative, which was something that this movie was desperately lacking. Yeah, for sure. Um, You know that movie that came out a year or two ago, Hardcore Henry, that was all from first-person view? I'm going to say right now, it was a ripoff off uh, Doom. Yeah, they <laughs> took a page out of the old Doom handbook. <laughs> well, apparently, Hardcore Henry legitimately like made people... Uh, nauseous during the screening, so you might be onto something there. I get dizzy getting in and out of my car. Uh, I don't know <laughs> if I could handle an hour and a half of of first person shooter. Um, I do want to just say because we haven't gotten, we haven't mentioned a ton of Dwayne Johnson like quotes in this movie. There's one here when he's like in the middle of this heel turn that we've talked about. He he just he's talking about Doctor Carmack, and at this point in the movie, Grimm has determined that the zombies can turn back into humans. She thinks that there's like that the process is reversible, which is never really explored. But Dwayne Johnson just decides that he's going to kill everyone anyway. But he he has has a point as well, right? That like at this point, it's a lost cause. Who knows how many people would die on on Earth if one of these things got through the portal? Even if it's reversible, we already know that all these people have the capacity for evil. Right. So Exactly. But anyway, he has this awesome line that I just want to play here because it's to me, it's like it encapsulates pretty much his entire range in this film. I'm going to run the DNA, check it against his med records. What are you people working on up here? We're analyzing bones, artifacts. We're not doing anything like this. Then what the f*** is that? It must be a genetic mutation, something environmental or viral. I don't know. It may even be reversible. It's irreversible. Not necessarily. Dr. Carmack's condition is irreversible. Because Carmack's condition is that he's dead. Oh my gosh. I, for some reason, that didn't stand out to me when I was watching this the other day. But wow, that is a line reading. I can't handle it. Wow. Also, when he walks in the lab, you know, originally and says, what's going on in here? And Rosamund Pike goes, we're studying bones and blood. Like, 
Yeah, it's nobody knows. It's like everyone is playing like pretend in that scene. <laughs> exactly. Wow, that is insane. The way that Dwayne Johnson curses in this movie, it's with the gusto of like a seventh grader. You know, when he says the f word, he really puts some force into that. For you know, into the f, it's like, you know. Oh yeah, no, he lets them. Each each word just like just hangs out there. <laughs> oh. It's pretty God. great. So overall, I mean, what are your thoughts? I, I definitely have like some overarching thoughts here. I really wanted to like this movie despite its flaws, but I keep coming back to Resident Evil. You know, those movies are this kind of movie done right. And I don't think that this is exactly, I just don't think the premise is interesting, but it's so confusing. It's so repetitive. And it's, it's for me, it was just, it was so gory. Yeah. Uh, it, it was like I, watching somebody else play a video game, which in some ways is, you know, a testament as to like how true to the video game they were, but it just didn't make for an interesting movie. No, it's just, it's, which is a shame. I, you want to believe, you know, at this point that like, that we could see like a real silver lining, but it's hard with a movie like this that there are bits and pieces of it that actually work kind of well. But overall, like the movie is so aggressively horrifying uh, in multiple ways. But I guess we will see if it passes our patented franchise Viagra test. Franchise Viagra. <laughs> franchise Viagra test, as always, is made up of three tenants, and those tenants are hard work, charisma, and physique. First off, hard work. What'd you think, Jordan? I kind of thought he was doing his best question mark. I think he I think he was actually. And I think that this was early on in his career. Uh, and it represents a huge step up from the kind of work we saw in Scorpion King. I, I, I do think he was giving it his all. He's definitely not nearly as wooden as his movies before this, like the Scorpion King. I, I think that's right. But it's not like he was doing anything to elevate the uh, lines that he was given. I don't know. This one's tough for me. Um, I'm going to go ahead and say, uh, no, he doesn't pass the hard work test for me because he didn't do anything. You could replace The Rock with, I don't know, Sylvester Stallone in this sure. movie, and it would end up being about the same. So uh, for that reason, he doesn't pass the hard work tenant. Second, charisma. <laughs> I don't know if we've seen a much less charismatic character than this one although i did appreciate how terrible the effects were at the end when he starts turning into a zombie oh my god the the like he looked like one of the monsters from like when all the basketball players turn into aliens in space jam that was like <laughs> he all looked like I a monster yeah kind of <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh yeah i don't know there were he was not charismatic he was really probably actually one of the most unlikable roles he's ever done. For sure. So for that reason, he doesn't pass that tenant either. Physique, you know, I got to say, uh, sure, this one works for me. I don't think it's remarkable. It's one way or the other. It's not like in Race to Witch Mountain where he's so skinny and it makes us feel weird. And it's not <laughs> like Pain and Gain where he's uh, so monstrously big that it stands out that way either. And he gets points for the very first time you see him, his shirt's off. So, right. <laughs> uh, you know, uh, he was one out of three. He passed the physique test. But overall, uh, the franchise Viagra test seeks to answer this question. Would you like to see a sequel? And for me, it's a pretty resounding no. I am right there with you. Uh, this movie does not need a sequel. 
Uh, it could have been 45 minutes shorter to begin with. Uh, and the world is better for there not being more Doom movies in it. Uh, Charlie, where, though, would you rank this in your Dwayne Johnson movie catalog? Honestly, this one wasn't so bad that it was offensive, like some of the very bottom of my rankings. And I start to look at it in the sort of Race to Witch Mountain, Scorpion King, Doom, and Game Plan section of my rankings. And honestly, I had to slot it right above the Game Plan and right below the Scorpion King at number 14. What about you? You are so disrespectful to the game plan. Um, <laughs> we Honestly, this is the <laughs> one thing that's uh, our friendship is suffering because of this. <laughs> um, I, 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 I have this in a similar location, though. I do have this down at the bottom. I have this above Baywatch and below Scorpion King uh, nestled in at my 13 spot above other movies like Race to Witch Mountain, Tooth Fairy and G.I. Joe, uh, which is my worst movie. Dwayne Johnson's uh, Dwayne Johnson's been in still uh, but Doom didn't do enough to warrant a second viewing well it's, it's interesting when you look at it this is the only horror movie he's ever been in and honestly it's something like I would like to see him do and do well you know we got the action adventure he's done that a couple of times with the rundown and Jumanji and I felt like he really knocked it out of the park the second go around I would like to see him you know tackle another horror movie absolutely it's a genre he hasn't really explored uh, and maybe you know, he's at a stage in his career where he can start doing something like that. It'd be really cool to see if one of these new movies coming out was a little more willing to sort of bend the genre. But it looks like we're kind of getting some more standard action fare in the years to come. But, you know, we never can rule anything out with Wayne Johnson. Rock Talk Nation, thank you as always for listening to the show and for your support. We are still the number one rated, reviewed, listened to, downloaded, streamed, followed, liked, favorited, and retweeted Dwayne Johnson theme podcast on the face of the freaking planet. It is all because of your support and your patronage of our show. If you haven't yet, please don't forget to follow us across all our social media platforms at Rock Talk Pod on Twitter and Instagram, as well as Facebook.com slash Rock Talk Pod. And thank you to everyone that's been out there to review us on iTunes. That's the number one thing that you can do to help us out. And if you haven't done it yet, get on it. Like I said, number one thing you can do, it helps us out so much, I can't even begin to tell you. And another place that you can give us a shout out is on a poll about BuzzFeed's underrated podcast of 2018. If you could just get in there, leave a one sentence comment nominating us to be one of the 2018's top underrated podcasts, you'll be automatically entered to win a sweet, sweet Rock Talk tank top as modeled by our good friend, Casey Rykowski. And next week, on our mini episode, we'll be looking at what we discussed at the top of the show, that Reddit question, who would win, The Rock or one of The Rock's characters? Join us next week, jabronis. Jabronis.